welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leela McRae. Joe, Virginia Tech, ACC champions in basketball. How amazing is that for me to be saying right here? Look, <laughs> it's crazy. I, you know, watching the game and even the post game stuff where, you know, the sports center that comes on after that and they're like, I don't think anybody outside of maybe Blacksburg would have said this was possible. I was like, look, I, I think you and I both said this is possible at the beginning of the year. Now, when they were two and seven, we were like, all right, pack it in. Let's pray that we somehow steal an NIT bid. But then the team started playing like we thought they could, and they played really well. And that was a game where they didn't just beat Duke. They dominated Duke. I mean, they pounded on them for most of that game, and it, it was great. It was great. Um, they made clutch shots. They did a great job rebounding. They, they controlled Duke. Duke went to a smaller lineup to try to be able to compete with them on the perimeter and could not do it, uh, which is just phenomenal. And uh, the more you think about it, the more improbable it seems. But we talk about this with Barbara, and you'll, the folks will hear this later. Seeing the videos, though, of the post game after of Mike Young celebrating with the band, celebrating with the fans that went to Brooklyn and made the trip, that guy is Virginia Tech. And that is something that as a college, you hope you find once in your college athletic program is somebody who just loves your school and loves your program. They found it with Frank Beamer in football, and they have found it with Mike Young in basketball. That guy is such a huge, huge Virginia Tech guy. And honestly, it, what it reminded me of when he's chanting the fight song and... Uh, with the band and stuff, the first thing that came to my mind was when Liverpool wins some big matches in in tournaments or giant cup finals and Jurgen Klopp is sitting there uh, screaming with the fans and celebrating and singing You'll Never Walk Alone with the fans, it just reminded me, like, that's an attachment and a love that is so, so hard to find outside of fandom. And to see it in your coach just only... I mean, that is, honestly, if Virginia Tech needs recruiting videos for basketball, that right there, you just send it to him and it says, I love this program and I'm not going to do anything to put this in jeopardy. I'm going to be here. I want you here because I want you to be a part of this and feel this. That's that's easy to sell. After the game, we're just like, we're looking up how old he is, how many more years we can have of this, and <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, yeah. all, all that kind of stuff. Because, like, can we reverse aging? Where are we yeah. in that technology? And, and like, he just stays ahead of schedule. He's been ahead of schedule from day one. And, you know, earlier this year, we thought, okay, maybe he's coming back down to schedule or, or you know, a little off. But no, he, he got it back where it needed to be. But you got to think about where we were in 16, in the spring of 16. And we're on the playing Duke in the tournament and with a spot in the final four on the line. And we lose by two. And the next week, buzz is gone. We're losing players. Not too much later, we're losing more players. We, you know, we, we put our trust in Wit. He goes out and gets this guy of, hey, they hired <laughs> Coach Mike Young from, from uh, Wofford. <laughs> from Wofford. Wofford. And it's like, 
there's a little bit of who. <laughs> I mean, just I mean, I know we all watch basketball. We had seen Walford. We didn't know that much about him. So there's there's some questions of what can he do? What can he do recruiting rise? Oh, it's nice that he's kind of from this area, but you know what what can he really do? Well, I mean, we haven't missed an ACC turn uh, an NCAA tournament. The year that there was none because of COVID was in our benefit for that stat line, but we we're been right here knocking on the door the whole time. And you just got to love it. You just got to love what he's doing. He knows the guy he's bringing in. You know, we were down on store Murphy full out in January because <laughs> he was earning that. Like yeah. he was not playing well. The reason we were two and seven in the ACC is because at point guard, we were just not strong enough. And, you know, we're, we're talking, you know, there's, there's words, strong words of, you know, this is a Wolford guard, not an ACC guard. Well, he grew up and he got there and he got, and he put in the work and, and a lot of that is just Coach Young having the faith in him and the other guys knowing who they are better than us fans do. And he had the week of his life right there. And unbelievable week. And then Couture in that last game, the game of his life. And, you know, Aluma played well. And just all the all the things kind of came together at the right time. Mutz was doing great things. Like, only time, I mean, I know Mutz will mess up, but he's messing up on hustle plays. He's not messing up on, you know, just – standards. I mean, he's messing up because he stepped out of bounds as he was diving to grab the basketball or something like that. I mean, that's, it's just all came together. It was, they're so likable. That's the thing. You watch these guys and after the games and they're, they're confident, but they're likable and what they're saying in the post-game interviews. And I, I even stomached storms dance a little bit more <laughs> after the games because we're winning, you know, winning changes everything, but like, it's just a happy, happy thing and i think it's easy for others to to get on board plus when you're knocking off duke when you're knocking off north carolina you know two schools that like when i went there we were just happy to beat them once in a season i mean we're posting on our class rings you know like we're doing that in back-to-back nights we're gonna get the respect from the rest of the country that hey we're knocking off we're knocking off those two teams that espn won't shut up about so i it was just an incredible weekend i i dead honest thought we can make it to Friday. We, we can play Notre Dame. We can beat them. I want that matchup, and we'll see what happens. Well, we saw what happened, and it was amazing. And, and there's nothing you and I can say that we saw it coming. We didn't, but, man, we were happy to see it. Yeah, and I think you know, there was no reason to think they were going to beat North Carolina going into that game. I mean, the previous two times we had played them, they killed us. I mean, it was just yeah, ugly, just ugly basketball. Ago. I, I it just was said terrible. when they beat us a few weeks ago, I just yeah. said, well, they're just better than us. I mean, that's what I said to you. You missed the game because you were calling right. a VCU game. And I said, you know, we're battling, but they're just better. Than, you know, there's 10 points better than us. Not and, not now. But then when they won that ACC semifinal, I, you know, I, I wouldn't have picked them to beat Duke, but I had also I watched North thought. Carolina beat Duke, and I was like, I mean, yeah, they could win it. I felt more confident about that than I did the yeah. North Carolina game going in. So, and, and I felt good about it. And they, they did. They played super well. They won the ACC tournament, which they absolutely had to do to get in the tournament, apparently, because they're an 11 seed as the ACC tournament champion. Um, that being said, I love their draw. I, like the, I don't I think like Texas is good. I don't think Texas is that great. I think they could beat Texas. Uh, they could lose to them, but I think they could beat them. Purdue is phony. They could beat Purdue. And then you play Kentucky, and you, <laughs> you see what happens. You said Purdue's phony before today, before the bracket came out on Sunday. You've said that I don't now, like so Purdue. I, Purdue is fake. Yeah. Purdue's yeah, fake. I did not listen to myself, and I put an investment on them in that Big Ten championship game, and they <laughs> Purdued. So that's what Purdue's going to do. Uh, they're going to Purdue. They're going to – train's going to come off the tracks. They're fake. 
if Virginia Tech gets in that game, I love that for Virginia Tech. And then you'll play Kentucky and you'll see what happens. Uh, but Don't worry about that next week. Let's get through this weekend. Yeah, I, beat I, Texas I, what first. I, what I've said, we won the ACC. Yeah, anything else is honestly, anything else is great. Steak. Yeah, gravy, cake, icing, whatever, whatever the right proper phrase is. I don't care. We can lose against Texas. I'm not going to look back at this and be like, man, I'm just going to be like, whoop, shucks. Let's let's move on. Like we got our we most got years. To yeah, most year. years winning an ACC championship will get you higher than an 11 seed. So let's go do that again. And that's the thing. Looking at the seeding, and I know we'll get more into this with Barber, but I'm real. I was really digging into the seeding today during my lunch break. I was taking my first whack at the bracket and. I I kind of feel like the ACC down this year, if, if we're, we're as low as we are, we thought we could maybe be higher, but I think they seeded the ACC like the ACC's down this year. So I'm not quick in my picks to pick against ACC in a lot of spots um, just because I think they're properly seeded. I, you know, maybe I'm not picking them to upset many, but like, I just think you can see the, the seating that acknowledges the low seating. So you don't have to make up for it with your picks. You're not going to, you know, go out there. There's not that many to deal with either, but you don't have to be tough on the ACC with your picks because I think the seating's already there. I I'm just interested in all this West coast power that's out there too, with Gonzaga and Arizona being one seeds. And those are two teams that, you know, aren't pushed from ESPN like everybody else. So I I'm actually generally okay with the seating, by and large, I know Tennessee has an argument, but it gives me an opportunity to pick them to upset somebody. I don't know. I just I'm okay with you. Everybody's all up, uproar about the seeding. I think that's because there's no obvious, you know, Dayton or Texas A&M. You're not making that much of a case to get them in. So I think now we're going to seeding, and and I'm okay. I'm okay with oh, how the bracket. Yeah, works. can I say that? There were a lot of people saying Texas A&M got robbed in the tournament by by being no. in the NIT. I'm sorry, that team was not good. They were not good this year. I've watched Texas A&M play. Not good. They had a good SEC tournament run, but that's about it. They were not that special. And so them losing in the SEC championship, I'm like, okay, you didn't, you didn't win. You're out. I'm sorry. That's what have been our fate. So yeah, yeah fair enough. And um, I, yeah, you said the West power and you mentioned just the West coast teams, Baylor and Kansas, both also in the West, all four one seats West of the Mississippi. Uh, yeah, I don't know how yeah, many times maybe. that's happened. I mean, maybe never. Um, but that, I thought that was interesting. That, uh, that bracket with Arizona, Tennessee, and um, the two seed in that bracket. That's a t- that's the top is tough in that bracket. That upper right bracket. Arizona, Tennessee, Villanova. Villanova. I mean, that's a that's a that's yeah, that's a little messy. Tennessee and Villanova are east of the Mississippi, but yeah. Well, no, I'm not. I'm not saying that for the the West factor, but I'm just saying that's a that's a tall task there. So that's that's a that's a tough one. What other things stand out to you on the bracket? Uh, Virginia, the state of Virginia. Uh, we were talking a while ago, like maybe they only get one team in the tournament. They got four. Uh, yeah. <laughs> three of them come Long via conference championships. State. Yeah, three of them come via conference championships. Um, or actually, all four. Sorry, uh, Norfolk State, Richmond, Longwood, yeah, and Virginia Tech. Uh, so yeah, uh, Longwood's first ever tournament. Congrats to them. Richmond has a surprising run in the a 10 tournament gets in the a 10, uh, championship game and then beats Dayton to, uh, win or not Dayton, uh, Davidson to win the a 10 and 
punched their ticket. And then Norfolk State won theirs against uh, a rough Coppin State team, but a Coppin State team that managed to claw their way to a conference championship game. And I, it's surprising to say there are four teams from the state of Virginia in the tournament, and UVA is not one of them. Um, and, and that's because of the ACC tournament that they had. I think if they had had a better ACC tournament, I think they would have been in. Um, but it, it just wasn't meant to be for them. They're in the NIT. I think they could have a successful NIT run. I don't think Mississippi State's that – Mississippi State is inconsistent. I'll put it that way. And yeah. I think, to be fair, I think you could say that about a lot of teams. UVA is inconsistent. Uh, I know they won their first ACC tournament game by not making any threes. They're not beating Mississippi State if they don't make threes. So – and I think After, I think that's the biggest knock on UVA is the, this offense. There have been years UVA's defense has been absolutely elite, and they've been able to be a one seed. The offense hasn't been good, but it's been okay. This year, the offense isn't even okay. It's bad. It's a bad offense that at times when you're watching them shoot, I mean, you'd think the team's doing the bird box challenge with blindfolds on out there. I mean, it's just it's not pretty to see. That being I, said. So I, if they if they shoot well or shoot better, I think they just have to have an average night from the field, just an average night from the field, and they could go on a run. But if they keep going O for the three point line, they're not going to win many games. It's just it, I'm sorry. In today's basketball, you cannot do that. My experience from NIT because I'm a Virginia Tech basketball fan, so there's been many years we've been NIT and high seeded in NIT. It's just all about that. Who, who wants it? Who wants mm-hmm. to play? That's the, a big factor. When you get the NCAA tournament, everybody wants to win. Everybody wants to keep on playing and all that. When you're in that NIT and it just it's not what everybody's talking about, it's not what you're seeing on ESPN, you got to have that player buy-in. And the, the more energy you have, the, the further you go. So it's just going to come out, watch, watch them for the first half <laughs> and see, and, and you'll see that energy or you won't. And that's going to tell you how far they go. Maybe they win the game without – all the energy they need, but you, you want to see some some skip in their step, and uh, they'll know that. But we'll talk plenty more uh, Virginia Tech, UVA later with Mike Barber. Stick around for that on the podcast. But, Joe, let's keep talking about the uh, VCU women. You get to call a women's NIT game this week. That's awesome. Yeah, it'll be Friday night. Uh, Stony Brook comes to the Seagull Center to play VCU. The interesting storyline with that game is that VCU's head coach, Beth O'Boyle, came to VCU from Stony Brook. So her former oh, school is ooh. going to be playing VCU in the women's NIT, which will be interesting. And, uh, yeah, I think VCU's women had a good run in the conference tournament. They did not beat Dayton like they had hoped, um, but they got to that conference semifinal. And I think now it's just going to be seeing if they can pick up where they left off and, and keep playing some solid basketball. Uh, and it's going to come down to shooting for them. I, they've got a great defense. It's just going to come down to how hot they are shooting that night. And Stony Brook is, um, they're not a bad team. So VC is going to have to be ready to play. And But it should be exciting. That's Friday. Tip-off is at 6 p.m. And that's ESPN Plus like normal? I believe so. Nice with my mini TV setup. That that can probably be in the mix. I might not be able to hear you, though. That might might be a factor. Um the uh excuse the other me? women's team say it again excuse me virginia tech doesn't play friday do they they play friday at 4 30 oh well that game will be over by the time mine starts not or... by the time it starts but... okay well second half you can have me on you can have the audio <laughs> it will pick up your pick up your game in the second half yeah the other women's team we're excited about virginia tech kenny brooks 
Uh, we'll talk about more it uh, later with Mike Brooks. But I love it Friday afternoon. Who did I say? You said Mike Brooks, Mike Barber. Barber, excuse me. But uh, Mike Barber later, we'll talk about it. But I love Friday afternoon, like a 2.30 start for Virginia Tech, Florida Gulf Coast, the 5-12 matchup. And then it rolls right into Virginia Tech at 4.30 versus their matchup with Texas. And I expect both Tech teams to win. So I'm expecting a good Friday night. And, uh, you know, I've said this many times. It's a holiday. This is a holiday week at the McCray House. It's, uh, you know, I I don't want to compare it to religious holidays. So usually I go with the Thanksgiving week. But, I mean, March, I mean, you can have eight crazy nights pretty quickly around here at the McCray House um, because you have plenty of basketball to watch. That selection show is kind of the kickoff for the the tournament but we've just had so much fun watching all the conference stuff but then multiple days or friends including you on your birthday i think you're going to bless us with your presence on on thursday we have other friends coming on thursday friday saturday sunday it's just i love this week i take off work for this week i would like to market this holiday days but that's not what happens but i i just i'm looking forward to it i'm i have the four tvs ready to go the cable box everything's already hooked up ready to go um, even you were over here Saturday after you left, I even increased the setup, uh, just to get things more set up. So, uh, you'll see it Thursday, but I'm, I'm ready for the holiday week and the Santa Claus of basketball to come down the chimney, all, all that stuff. Yeah, that's going to be exciting. Um, I am glad that I get to spend Thursday. There was some worry that maybe Thursday would be taken from me as well, but, um, Luckily, that did not end up being the case, and I'm able to watch uh, some March Madness there on the first day on Thursday with you guys. Uh, but we hadn't talked about what else gets what, what else is taking you away. We haven't talked about this for like two or three weeks now. We should have. You're covering VCU baseball. Yeah, that wasn't the concern for Thursday, but yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I have been, yes. Uh, VCU baseball has been fun, uh, but it's uh, they're, they're off to a pretty good start. Um, I think a little... Maybe a little disappointing in terms of uh, they had hoped maybe for a better record, but that's a tough schedule. I mean, they've played Ole Miss, who's the number two team in the country currently in college baseball. They played Maryland, who's a top 25 team. They played ODU, who's a top 25 team. They played Rutgers, uh, who I think I'm not sure how they've done since they've played VCU, but going into that game against VC or that series against VCU, that game, uh, they were eight and one. So, and off to a hot start in the Big Ten, uh, out of the Big Ten. Um, But They'll have Liberty on Tuesday, uh, and I'll be calling that game. Uh, so awesome. the Liberty Flames are a top 25 baseball team as well. So VCU went out and scheduled a very tough non-conference schedule. They're hoping to be ready and defend their A-10 championship. They are predicted to win the A-10 in baseball again. They've got Tyler Locklear, who is an All-American and a preseason Golden Spikes Watch Award, uh, and that's the player of the year in college baseball. Uh, they have... Uh, if you're a f- fan of the Valley League uh, and the Charlottesville Tom Sox, Logan Amos is on VCU, is getting a lot of playing time in right field, doing very well this year with VCU as well. If you're a fan of the Stanton Braves, Jack Maslov, who pitched there, uh, is back. He actually pitched a, pitched great in the series, uh, or the doubleheader closer, uh, on Sunday against Monmouth and allowed VCU baseball to sweep that doubleheader. So... That was phenomenal. He closed that game, picked up a big save. But uh, I do want to say, I know we talked about this with Barbara a little bit, but Virginia Tech women in their seating, being the five, I think they're going to be fine against Florida Gulf Coast. 
I don't love both of those teams. Honestly, Maryland and Delaware would scare me. Delaware has an absolutely amazing basketball player on their team. And Jasmine Dickey is a phenomenal basketball player. I got to see Maryland's girls team when they went to JMU. They're pretty good. So I would be a little worried with either one of those. But yeah, I mean, hey, and Kenny, we trust, right? So always. Uh, Tech softball had another good weekend. Uh, They swept Syracuse. I'm going to keep bringing them up because I think we're going to be talking about them into June. Uh, but we do got to talk about Buffalo Gap. They made it all the way to that state final, and we were really proud of them getting that far. And that's where the winning stopped. They they faced uh, um, Honaker, and they were unable to really get going in that game. They were down 14 nothing early. Uh, they were limiting scoring to that 14-point uh, spot. They were making the game ugly like they needed to. They were, you know, battling around, but then – They finally got on the flow there and started scoring more. And that was about the time Gap started scoring. So they just always stayed behind and uh, weren't able to really um, make it look like they were going to be successful in that game at at any point. And, I mean, that's a really good program down there. They won the state championship last year as well against Riverheads. And so that's a team that, you know, Class 1 has to deal with. And uh, Buffalo Gap had their chance this year. They got to the game. They just – they couldn't get it done. But – Buffalo Gap has a lot of talent coming back. I mean, this is a team, we talked about them having five freshmen. That was kind of our note early in the season about them. And then they had, you know, three or four of them really, you know, factoring in for the team throughout the season. And a lot of their scoring is going to be coming back with, uh, you know, a lot of great players, um, including the freshmen, but also uh, the junior Klein, Bradley, the sophomore. Uh, They do lose two seniors, but, uh, and then that's leadership, no doubt, but, you know, that's, that's high school basketball and you have to be able to cycle that through. And uh, coach Morgan has done that. I mean, they, they have been on runs where they've been consistently good for a pack of years. And I think this is a good little start to another uptick of, of the girls basketball out of Buffalo gap. I think they're going to continue to have battles with riverheads in that one B, but, you know, I think this is a program that can, you know, try to shake loose next year with the, with the district there. I know Wilson's always traditionally good. I know Fort was really good this year and they're going to come back with that similar style, but I think they're bringing back enough talent where next year when we're breaking this down and looking ahead, I think gaps going to be something to watch next year and, and see if, uh, you know, they can, they can knock off Fort a time, maybe two or something like that. You know, see what they can do. Cause I know Fort's losing some good players. So I'm really excited about where they got this year. I think this is a heck of an accomplishment um, but also, I think that's something really they can build off of with this young roster. Yeah, I was going to say, I, man, when you look at the kind of season they had, and yes, they ran into a buzzsaw with Honeaker, who's just a really sure. best, really good basketball team. And Honeaker's not going anywhere. They're, they'll probably be back. Yeah. Um, yep. But that being said, I, man, even if Gap doesn't win the Shenandoah District next year with the, what they're returning – they don't have to worry about that because I think they're better than Riverheads. I think they're going to win one B again, and I think they'll be back in the States. And so, and I I think that's half the battle right there is just getting into the state tournament. I think they're not going to have a problem with that. I think, I think they'll be fine. This is a program that is actually looking young and successful. And that is just the perfect combination in high school sports is to have that success at a young level have them get that experience. I mean, we talk about those young players, and yes, not all of them are the leaders of the team, but they're contributing in major ways, and, and that's only going to help. That state experience, next time they get to a state tournament, they're not going to be sitting there going, oh, man, 
you know, this is our first time here. What do we do? You know, the pressure. They're used to it. They're going to be sitting there. When they go to the sequel center, they're not going to be sitting there going, man, look at how big this arena is. Oh, yeah. They're going to be used to it. They're going to be like, yeah, we're supposed to be here. We were here last year. We're going to be here. We're here again this year. We're going to be here next year. So yeah. that, that's the kind of mentality. The they saw the level. Yep. They got to see that with Honeaker, so they know what they're going to get into next time. Um, but they, they're going to expect that, and that's the kind of mentality you need. I mean, we talk about Riverheads going every year. It's the same thing with their football team. They go into that stadium at Salem, that nice turf field and that bigger stadium than they're used to playing in. And they're like, yeah, we're supposed to be here. This yeah. is what we they do. They know where they're going to eat after the game. Yeah, it's, this is what we do. Yeah. yeah, and so Buffalo Gap girls have a chance to make that the, the norm in basketball for the next few years at least. And I think they've got a great chance to do it. I fully expect Buffalo Gap girls basketball to either win the Shenandoah district or be right there knocking on the door with a fort uh, kind of team and then winning one B. I don't think that's going to be a problem for them. Yeah, I I'm eager for things to align that maybe both uh, maybe they can meet Riverheads in a state in a region championship game. So they both can advance. Riverheads so, is the so one I would worry point. about holding up that end of the bargain, not Buffalo Gap. Yeah, it was a one-point game this year, so I, I don't see the huge separation at that point. I think Buffalo Gap, to Coach Morgan's credit, I think they played better and better as these playoffs went on, and I think they gained that confidence. And being able to build on that confidence as you go forward is a great thing, and and not just being happy with what you just accomplished in your last game and wanting more. And I think you could see that in these in these games. I mean, they lost the the 1B championship. They did lose that game, and then they came back and beat that team the next time they played them, and that shows the growth right there, and they didn't – they're just not backing down from any of the challenges, and that's a typical thing for Buffalo Gap teams across the board is is that toughness and even mental toughness. So, uh, yeah, I think I think I do expect them to be right in the middle of it next year, and, uh, you know, we'll – right now I put Fort and Gap kind of at the top of the list, like you're saying. I'm not, I'm not arguing that point that – those are the first two teams we're going to talk about next year when we preview in the season because of how much talent Buffalo Gap's bringing back from this this run. Yeah, and I hear you on the fact that Riverheads, it was a close game, it was a one-point game. Riverheads is losing a lot more than Buffalo Gap is, though. And that's yeah. that's why I say I, Riverheads is the one that might not hold up that end of the bargain on getting to the region Maybe championship so. to face Buffalo Gap. Maybe so. I, 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 want, them, I want them seated so it can happen. Sure. <laughs> Give them a chance. <laughs> I'd like them both. I want both those teams in one big one. That'd be great. Um but, I mean, it's time to get back to the, the topic we're most excited about. All right, it's time to get Mike Barber on here to talk, you know, someone that actually knows about all this college basketball postseason action that we got going on. And Mike, I, I can't start with anywhere, but where we're most excited about as fans for Joe and I is, with the, with the Hokies and what they just did in the ACC tournament. And, um, you know, improbable is a word that you could probably, you could throw at it, but, uh, you know, they came and, and took it. You know, they, they didn't receive anything. They went out and won that ACC tournament. What was it like to watch the Hokies uh, do that, you know, front row there on, on press row? Yeah, and, and I, don't, I don't mean to be corny, but it was magical. I mean, it really was. Like, one – um, Mike Young is just a guy that personally I root for, like he's a, a great coach, but he's a great guy. And, and I like the players on this team, right? I, I like Kevin Alou. I like Justin Mutz. I like Storm Murphy. Now I'm impartial, you know, whatever happens is what I write about, but that doesn't mean it's not nice to see good things happen for them. And this team, and you guys know, it, it, this team was buried. I was in the camp that was burying them. They were 0-4 to start the year. I said, okay, well, you're not going to make the NCAAs from 0-4 in the ACC. 
And then they got to two and seven. And I said, okay, well, now we don't even need to, to talk about it anymore, really. Um, and I gave them so much credit. I thought they were a great story when they got back to the point where they were going to have a winning record in the league. I mean, to me, that was what a turnaround, what a heart and, and, and not giving up, what stick to itness. Um, and they didn't ever throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? They said, we're good enough. We're doing the right things. We're losing close games. It's going to change. They stuck with it, kept at it, kept at it. And then here they were, and, and they started winning. I thought that was good enough. And then the way they put things together down the stretch, uh, going to Brooklyn on that hot streak, it, it was just really cool. And then you get there, and you look at the Clemson game, right? And Mike Young said to us today, he's like, hey, we could have gone home the first day. <laughs> Darius Maddox hits that absolutely phenomenal uh, three-point shot. Um where I still don't understand exactly what the heck Clemson was doing, but um, they were like kind of playing back and waiting to see what happened. And, you know, Darius Maddox, he, he didn't shy, man. He pulls up and he buries that shot. And at that moment, you thought one of two things, right? Uh-oh, they're, they're not playing great. They struggled with Clemson. They needed magic. Maybe this is going to peter out. Or the opposite. Like, hey, man, right. good things are happening to this team. They got through the rough one, and let's see what they do. And I mean, I mean, you, I'm sure you guys watched, they didn't, it wasn't magic against, you know, Duke and Carolina, right? They beat those guys and they beat them resoundingly. Um, I, the lead of my story today, I wrote about Justin Mutz and the lead of the story is about that dunk on Paolo Bancaro yep. where he's hanging on the rim and staring down on him and techs up by 14 uh, with two twenty-seven to play. Like that's a butt kicking. Um, it, it was, it was just, it was very cool to be there and, We'll probably get into this, and people have been asking me, is it the the biggest moment in tech athletics? And David Teal and I talked about this today on, on our pod. We, we, you know, there's still 99 where they got to beat yeah. Boston College. You know, and but if you want to say that beating Duke in Mike Krzyzewski's last ACC tournament to get an NCAA bid with the turnaround, with everything you did, and this being tech's first ACC tournament, if you want to say that that was the biggest moment in tech athletics like you're not crazy like that is a very valid argument a lot of my friends my age you know are, are quick to say that this is this is the biggest this is the biggest and i and i did i brought up the national championship year i brought up the first acc title before there was an acc championship game yep. went down to miami and won i'm okay with the fact that that's what we have to talk about to, <laughs> to frame this like that's the other stuff we're mentioning the other stuff that is has been big moments for decades or you know, you know a little bit of time this is right up there with that. Uh, I, I believe you could make the argument that it's the, the biggest, definitely the biggest for basketball, you know, since we won a Metro conference in 78 or something like that or <laughs> whatever it is. So, like, yeah, it's just not relevant to today's sports fans. So I love that this is another another one of those pinnacle moments, another one of those, you know, it's a banner, sure, but it's going to be a banner that really stands out as oh, yeah. the first one, ho- hopefully first of many, but it's a first one and it, and it starts to – tell a new story of tech basketball that, that hadn't been told before. No, absolutely. And, and, and again, it's the opponent matters, right? Yeah. Like back to back like that. Yeah. I mean, Carolina Duke, those are the blue bloods, right? Those are the ones that if you get one of them, it's a feather in your cap and, and then you lose the next one and everyone says, yeah, but that was pretty cool, man. They beat Carolina or they beat Duke and to get them both and to get them decisively, um, you know, in what's a good year for Duke, right? Like Carolina's a little hit or miss. I get that, but they're still Carolina. Duke's a two seed, yeah. Right. Duke, this is a legitimate good, like, I mean, Duke's got their issues, 
But in terms of, it's not like they got Duke in a down year. I mean, they got Duke in a year that Duke was by far the regular season ACC champion um, and, and the highest seed for the ACC. So I think that adds, you know, Mike Krzyzewski, what's the story that, that you're thinking of nationally, right? It's Mike Krzyzewski wins his last ACC tournament. Mike Krzyzewski wins his last game at Cameron. Mike Krzyzewski wins one more national title. Like those are the stories that nationally are in the consciousness. And, and here's Virginia Tech that's like, sorry, that would have been a great story, but we're just going to hammer you um, for the better part of 40 minutes and, and win this title. Seriously, though, my 09 Virginia Tech class ring has like these little a little icons on there that shows that we beat te- uh, that we beat UNC and Duke in the same year back with Zabian and Jamon mm-hmm. and Coleman and all those guys. Uh, Duran, I think, was there. You know, we we have a little logo on the class ring that we beat them both in one season. In one yep. season, we beat them on back to back nights. I, it just it was crazy, and I had I had confidence. I think I already said this on the pod. I had confidence we'd get to to Friday. I really thought we. I wanted. I wanted that seven seed where we get Notre Dame. I was watching to make sure Notre Dame and UNC didn't mess that up. I just wanted that route, and we got it. And so I was happy, but, like, I couldn't, you know, rightfully expect to go on and win an ACC championship. I haven't seen us come close to that before. So I, I love that now that's the expectation. I love that next year on this podcast when me and Joe sit down and start talking and I say we should go win the ACC and he rolls his eyes, I can point to something. And say so we've done it. We did it. We can do it again. And, and did it in a really hard path. Like, right. Did it. I mean, this, this, what we're getting now. And I thought Mike Krzyzewski gave me a great answer when he said, I think they're, they've become the team they thought they were going to be. Yeah. That is such a great point for, from, from coach K. And because this isn't a, um, a story of Cinderella story out of nowhere. This is what we thought tech could be. And then it didn't go their way. And they could have packed it in at so many different points. And um, I had in, in the story too today uh, on Justin Mutz, but a great anecdote that, that Justin and Kevin told me. And Kevin said, you know, Mike Young would, would just say, hey, guys, we're so close, stick to it. And every coach says that, right? Right. We're so close, stick to it. And I said to Kevin, I said, well, what, what was it like when he kept saying that? And he said, honestly, it was annoying. <laughs> and I said, what do you mean it was annoying? He said, it was annoying because we knew he was right. Right. We, we knew that it was right there. And it was just it was a question. So we were in a dark place and it was a question of would we stick with it long enough? Um, and they did. And, and man, what, what a payoff at the not the end, because right now they're onto the NCAs. But what a payoff at, at this point in the story. I want to talk to you about just the discrepancy in polls and the, the metrics and then the seating, because. It's very obvious, you know, there were folks arguing whether Virginia Tech needed to win that ACC championship game going in or whether they had already done enough. As an 11 seed as the ACC tournament champion, it's very apparent to me they had to win that game or the committee would have left them out, despite being one of the best teams in the Kim Palm rankings and every other metric you look at. And then in the coaches poll today, they released that Virginia Tech's number 24 in the country and they're an 11 seed. Yeah, and it's, it's the thing that irks me the most is it seems like if you do poorly, in your conference tournament, you get whacked over the head with that, right? Like Wake Forest, we thought they were probably in, play their way out with a first game loss in, in Brooklyn. And I'm not saying that that's wrong, but okay, if that's your stance, then where's Virginia Tech, right? Where's Tennessee? Where's Texas A&M, right? Like where's Buzz Williams' team? If, if it matters to lose in your conference tournament, then it should matter to win. Texas A&M doesn't make the field. They're in the NIT. Tennessee gets, I think, too low a seed. I think Tennessee and Duke should have been flipped. 
you know, Virginia Tech had to win that game. But what about the last 14 games they played and how they played in that stretch? And, and I know that they took last 10 games out of the metric, right? That used to be in the metric, how you fared in your last 10 games. They, they took it out because some teams with conference tournaments, others didn't. It, it wasn't necessarily fair. But you're still sitting in a room, right, for selection. And you've got all these data points. That's great. I understand that's the way we're going. People want things quantified. But somebody in that room has to stand up and say, dude, you know who I don't want to play right now? Virginia Tech, Tennessee, Texas A&M. That has to matter if you're going to whack the teams that lose, the teams that, that blow into their conference tournament. So, yeah, I, you know, at the end of the day, I always say this. I don't think we've ever left out the eventual national champion. Right. Like we're at 68 now, 69 wasn't the best team in the country. And there's always going to be debate between 68 and 69, right? It's going to be close there. Um, But to me, I guess, personally, I put a lot more value into how you're playing right now. And um, look at UVA, man, like not that they belong in the NCAA tournament, but I think UVA deserves a ton of credit because they stunk in November and December. Not they were off. They stunk, right? They lost to JMU. They lost to Navy. They couldn't – they just looked like a team that wasn't going to go anywhere. And what was the, the thing they hung their hat on? Hey, Tony Bennett's going to figure it out. We're going to find a way to be decent. And, you know, they beat Duke, and they played great down the stretch. And and, and they gave it away with, with the Florida State loss. They maybe had the opportunity when they played Carolina. And how great would UVA and Tech have been in Brooklyn? I mean, that would have been awesome too. Um, although I think the way Tech won it is probably – maybe even more special because of the blue bloods. But yeah, yeah, I I just think that we need to put a little more emphasis on how you're playing right now. Um, The committee's allowed to look at injuries, right? That means a team's different, but they should look at improvement because that means a team's different. Yeah, I would agree with that. Now I will say, given the seating, when the bracket came out and I looked at where Virginia Tech was and I was like, man, an 11 seat, that is crazy. And then I saw who the six was they were playing. And I was like, okay. And then I see the three seed in, that they would potentially see in a sweet 16. I'm like, okay. And now Kentucky, yeah, Kentucky a, might a, be different, but <laughs> at yeah, least, but you're, you're, at least you're the first three rounds, I'm final. sitting there going like, okay. Yeah. You're not supposed to go to a final four easily. Right? right. But you want the opportunity to, to get a little momentum. You want the opportunity to, to start playing well, um, you know, for a program that, that isn't, that blue blood that isn't there every year, right? That doesn't have this thing down to a science. You want the opportunity to, to get your feet under you. And I absolutely love, I mean, I'm not saying I'm putting them in the final four, but I absolutely love text draw. Could they lose to Texas? Absolutely. Texas, a higher seed. Texas is a, a good team. Um, Chris Beard, we know what he can do defensively. Uh, we got to know Chris a little bit in the final four when, when Virginia won it all. But yeah, you look at that and you think, okay, Texas is good, but you can beat them. Purdue is good, but you can beat them. And yeah, if you're going to have a really special postseason, you're going to have to beat somebody like Kentucky. Right. Um, I, I love Tex draw. I think they have a great opportunity. Um, yes, they're playing with house money because right now what you have, it's, uh, you know, they've got those promotions. If you go to the game where they're like the let it ride kind of deal, 
you win a prize. Do you want to spin again and double it, but you run the risk of losing everything? I think if you're a tech fan, you walk away with this is a pretty damn nice prize you got, yeah. but that's not the way it works. You get a chance to go and see what you can add to it. And um, I agree. I think the draw it shapes up nicely for them. I'd say it felt, I know it's an 11 six, but it kind of felt like when I saw that, I was like, this is an eight, nine to me. Like you can flip these teams in seeding. I think Jay Bella said that on the selection show it was like, it, if you told me Virginia tech was the six and Texas was the 11, I'd be like, yeah. And yeah, it's just because Absolutely. those and two I teams think are so what similar. We were talking about right the way Tech finished. I don't think they got. I don't. I think they were underseeded, right? Mm-hmm. And, and Texas maybe was a little bit better than they did. So you can move them a little bit closer in that regard. And um, matchup wise, I don't think it's terrible, right? It's not. Um, it's not a massive front quarter. It's not something that you're going to look at and say, okay, that's not really going to work well for what Tech wants to do. Um, and, and I just think, you know, guys, Mike Young is now six and zero. Oh in conference tournament championship games. That's not an anomaly. And let's be honest, like he's not like he's built these super house powerhouse teams that just weren't going to lose on that stage. Like there is a good amount of coaching involved in that uh, short turnaround, getting your guys ready better than the other guy can. And that's what the NCA, especially on the second day comes down to, right? How quickly can you get your guys ready? Because nobody in the NCAA tournament on the back end, on the second game of a weekend, plays their best, right? You didn't have time. There's, there's just no way, but guys like Tom Izzo, they've got that thing that gets their team ready to find a way. And I think Mike Young's got that. I think that's what that championship game statistic shows. Um, yeah. I, I think people in basketball know how good Mike Young is as a coach. I think people know how good tech is. That's why you saw them in the coaches poll. Um, I don't think anybody wanted to see tech in their draw. And I, I bet when we talked to Chris Beard, that that's what we're going to hear was, you know, he's going to be confident because that's what you are as a sure. coach. But there's yeah. going to be an undertone of, yeah, that wouldn't have been the, the team I picked. I We talked about this already in the A Block, but I wanted to get your opinion on it. As a person who covered Virginia Tech this season and has seen a lot more of Mike Young outside of the what the cameras catch, uh, during that celebration where he is asking the band for the encore and he's celebrating with yeah. the fans, it just struck me as a moment. Of, and I know he grew up in, you know, in the area, was a Virginia Tech fan. And when he was hired, we had talked about this a little bit with you, but it just seems to me he's a lifer. Like, he's not going anywhere. This is it. This is the dream job for him, and this is where he wants to be. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, you know, you never say never because if he achieves at a certain level, I mean, there's certain jobs out there that they come calling. But, yeah, I, Mike Young's not asking his agent to go cash in on this ACC title, right? Like, he's not like, hey, see if Louisville's interested. It's just not going to happen. You're right. Um, you know, I, I think Mike Young, if he could have a run like he had at Wofford, at Virginia Tech, that's his dream scenario, man. Um, it, we, it was described this way when he was hired, right? What did we say? It's Frank Beamer in basketball sneakers. Um, and who at Tech wouldn't sign up for that? And, and the, the other thing about it is it's genuine, right? Like, we've seen guys who engage with the fan base because it's a part of the job. Like, if you want to do well and move on to the next job, well, you better get the fans behind you. That's not this. Man, that's a dude who's passionate about Virginia Tech. He's passionate about Southwest Virginia. He's passionate about his players. They get it, right? There's a reason that Keve Aluma left Wofford and Storm Murphy left Wofford and Hunter Couture followed. Like, that wasn't just like, ooh, ACC. That was, I want to hitch my wagon to that guy. Um, So, And it's a reason that Mike was able to pull them through that bad start. 
um, with what, what, what Kevy described as relentless positivity <laughs> um, and being annoying with stick to it. And um, no, my, Mike Young's the real deal. And, and what's great about it is, is, you know, I mean, you guys know how I felt about Buzz and, and Buzz was a fantastic also X's and O's coach, but how easy is it to root for a great X's and O's coach when he's also Mike Young away from the court, right? Like, you know, you have to be a great X and O's guy or it's not going to get done. And if yeah. you just come in and you're a great guy, that's a great story, but it ain't going to happen, right? Like right. James Johnson's first car, great guy, engage with people, engage with the fans. Maybe one day comes back and is able to coach at the ACC level. I, I think he will. He's got a good basketball mind, but just wasn't ready. And it, it just didn't, it's not going to, the personality alone isn't going to get it done. But when you take somebody like Mike, who's the total package, and he can really, really, really coach, and then, you just want to hug him after he wins and be like, I know I'm impartial, but I'm happy for that guy. Right. <laughs> um, you know, it's just the way he engages with the media is genuine. The way he engages with the fans is genuine. Um, the way he engages with his players and recruits is genuine. That's why they love him. Um, and so, yeah, a guy like that who can coach, whew, he, he could be a tech for a long time. Uh, I want to, so, I want to talk about another coach there at tech who is likable. Also coaches basketball. He just coaches the women's team and Kenny Brooks, and he's gotten that team to a five seed. And Leland and I have talked about it a lot because we followed him because one, because he's from this area, and two, he was at JMU before, and I was at JMU when he was coaching there and got to watch him take the Dukes uh, with some All Americans and Don Evans and Tamara oh, Young yeah. to a tournaments and just being amazed at what he has done at Virginia Tech in that little time. I know Brent Pry is going to have something to say about it, and he's going to try to bring football back to the forefront there at Virginia Tech. But I joked with Leland. <laughs> I joked with Leland today by sending him a message on a graphic that said schools with men's and women's basketball programs in the NCAA tournament. But it honestly does kind of feel like Virginia Tech is a basketball school. And it's not saying like they're a basketball school because the football program stinks. They're a basketball school because both basketball programs are phenomenal right now. Yeah, they, they are phenomenal. And then I've known Kenny forever. And then I covered his first team when he took over in that weird year for Bud Childers and, um, He's outstanding. The job he's done is outstanding. He's completely delivered on why he was brought there. Um, but you're right. There, there is a, a feeling of, hey, how about this, guys? The Skip Prosser Award for the ACC Scholar Athlete of the Year, right? That, that's one athlete in the whole ACC. It's not per sport or per school. It's one guy and one lady in the ACC. And both winners are Virginia Tech basketball players. Like, how cool is that? How cool is that when you're having success, right? Like, it's a great thing, but if you're in last place in the conference, like, we're right. not even going to be talking about it right now. And, yeah, what Kenny's done, some of the big wins, um, the fact that the fans have gotten behind them. I love the fact that the football team and the men's basketball team get behind the women, just like the women get behind them. Like, it is a very cool time. And, and you know, everybody wants, and, and you know, UVA gets a lot of credit for this, Texas, Stanford. You want that well-rounded athletic department. And I think we're seeing some of that at Virginia Tech. They've had some success in the soccers, right? They've had some good runs in baseball up and down, but I think John Sheff is the right guy there. Um, and Kenny Brooks is absolutely the right guy with women's basketball. Um, he said good team after good team. But, yeah, it feels like he's been building to this. And um, just a really special time. And then I left out wrestling. And, and wrestling has just been outstanding for a while now, but um, seems to keep grabbing national attention. And our, and our softball is about to do some stuff. Yeah, so it really is. Um, it, it, that's it, it lifts everything up, right? Because if if twelve years month, twelve months out of the year, you're hearing good things about tech athletics, like that matters. 
yeah. it really does. And um, it, it's not evil because when you're bad in some of those other sports, you don't get banged for it, right? Like right. nobody's talking about like, oh man, women's lacrosse isn't very good. I think it's time to move on from Virginia Tech. But it's when your teams are good, it just gets you back up in the forefront more. Well, I mean, I mean that's like JMU. I mean, JMU is good in a lot of different things, and, and it, it makes a whole different image of what's going on there. And, and, and I think that's how, what helps build them into a um, power, you know, a FBS conference as, and, and takes the football to that level. But mm-hmm. across the board, they're going to be able to compete in that stuff. We've, we've been talking about a lot on the podcast. It's, it's going to be great for all, so many of their programs. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it is. It's um, I can't remember if it was Dr. Carrier, but always talked about, you know, athletics being the, the front porch of your university. Yeah. And you don't want just one nice chair there. Right. You want a whole nice porch. And and I think JMU's got it. I think Virginia Tech's got it right now. Yep. So before we leave the, the national tournaments, uh, you know, a little bracket preview who who. We're not going to hold you to it. If you if you're able to fill out a Yaksports uh, bracket, you can change it if you decide. But what? Who are your winners in the men's and the women's? So uh, going into it, um, I, I do have Kentucky, which I know is terrifying. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I think that feels like just what we talked about with Tech, yeah. right? A team that's kind of putting it together, and this year in particular, I think it's pretty wide open, and I favor teams from either the SEC or the Big Ten because I think they've been through the legitimate battles, right? And and that's not – like, Gonzaga's great, and it'd be a great story if Gonzaga gets it done, like the redemption story. And Duke's got as much talent as anybody, and it'd be a great story if Mike's last year is a national title. Um, but to me, I, those teams that have been in the conferences that really, you know, punch you in the face Tuesday and Saturday, and that's the SEC and the Big Ten for me, um, those are the schools I like. Um, I like Iowa. Um, I think Purdue can be dangerous. I think they could be good, uh, even though they can be out too. Um, and I, and I really like Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I really like Kentucky, <laughs> Tennessee, the way they're playing. Um, yeah. I think Auburn's got potential, but, but right now, if I had to pick, um, I would go with Kentucky. I haven't been through the women's bracket. Um, I'm certainly intrigued by NC state and the path they have. <laughs> um, but again, it's like we talked about with tech. Okay, UConn, they're out there. I get it. But you, you're going to have to beat these teams if you're going to win a national title. And, and, yeah, if you can avoid it till the Final Four, that's great. But, you know, let, let's look at the teams that have won championships. Very few have made it to the Final Four without a win that, that opened your eyes, even the one seeds, right? Most yeah. of the one seeds that we see make it to the Final Four, at some point or other, go through a team where the Vegas lines are pretty close, and the ESPN total brackets pick pretty close because that's the point of these tournaments. And, and I'm just I'm, I'm really excited. Um, I'm going to dip my toes in a bunch of different tournaments. And I'm really excited to, to see what what's in store for us. Yeah, what, what all are you covering? What, what, where all, where all you got to go this week? So we, we, we talked a little off air and I had to check my notebook to know exactly uh, where <laughs> I was going when. Um, this is cool, though. So I'm going to cover Virginia's NIT game Wednesday night. Uh, so that gives me Virginia, Mississippi State, and the NIT. I'm going to get up the next morning very, very early, and I'm going to fly to Indianapolis, and I'm going to cover Tennessee and Longwood. Longwood's been a great story. actually went down to the Big South title game uh, to, to see that club. And, and um, Isaiah Wilkins, the, the tech transfer, yep. and his story, and uh, Griff Aldrich, the coach who not that long ago was a lawyer and a CFO. Um, what a great story that is. And you know, little Longwood with their with their little gym where you can't hardly get Wi-Fi, and and, and here they are. Um, so then I'm I'm going to go to Indianapolis. I'm going to watch them play Tennessee, uh, and then I'm going to drive a couple hours out to Fort Wayne, Indiana, and I'm going to see Randolph Macon 
playing in the Division Three Final Four, uh, which is not super foreign to me, right? Like I, I covered yeah. EMU in Bridgewater when my career started. I was there when Kirby Dean took EMU on a, on a run to the D3 Sweet 16. So a little bit of getting back to my roots. And, and obviously, I'm going to have to <laughs> brush up on who's good these days. But um, so it's going to be really fun. I'm, I'm getting a very – <laughs> yeah, it, well, that's clearly one of the four, and Marietta, because I know that's who they're playing. But um, it's going to be a really cool, maybe a different look for me, because I'm so used to UVA as a one seed or a two seed, and I'm going to go with them, uh, you know, for one weekend if it's UMBC, or all the way to the end uh, if it's a national championship year. And, and uh, I still think that's better because you get really engrossed in the team and and the minutia. But I think this is going to be a lot of fun. It, it reminds me of you know when the TV guys get to do, you know, three games and three nights or two games in one day. I'm, I'm really looking forward. Uh, I hope physically I hold up because I'm, I'm not a, a kid anymore. And I hope they don't catch me falling asleep by game three or game four, whatever comes next. <laughs> well, I know we have some UVA fans who listen to this podcast too. So we should uh, talk about UVA and their NIT. That's a tough break for Mississippi State. I mean, I know they're a good team, but they're going to have to go to Charlottesville to play in the NIT. And I know it's the NIT and UVA fans maybe were hoping for better and rightfully so. I, I don't think any team, Virginia Tech or UVA for that matter, was sitting there going, man, I hope we make it to the NIT this year. Um, but I I do think UVA uh, probably could win that game and it wouldn't be it wouldn't be that surprising to me. I know Mississippi State has good games, but they also have some stinkers. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, for UVA, if they're hitting some shots, you know, they defend at a high level. Jaden Gardner's defense has really come on. Reese Beekman, to me, I voted for him for uh, ACC Defensive Player of the Year. Nothing again, Mark, Mark, against Mark Williams, who was phenomenal too, but I thought Beekman was more phenomenal for more of the game. Um, no, I, I think Virginia could go on a run to New York. And mm-hmm. if you think about this current run of Virginia's success, it really kind of started in 2013 with that NIT. And, and I think Tony Bennett does a great job of it's a little cliche. And, and every time I write about it, I'm like, eh, this isn't exciting, <laughs> but every year he wants his team to be the best it can be. Right. So if that means winning a national title, great. You got the job done. Now the UMBC year, like that's a fail, right? Because that team could have done more, but I think there's a sense in Charlottesville that they've squeezed everything they could out of this bunch. They're a much better basketball team right now than when they lost to JMU. They're a much better basketball team than when they lost to Navy. <clears throat> it sticks in the craw, I'm sure, but they came within a point of beating Iowa. I mean, that could have been a, a change. So um, I think Virginia's trending in the right direction. And, and yeah, it's the NIT, but I think they should feel good. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, he's still a great coach and, and all that. And they have a lot to look forward to. And they have recruits coming in. Um, hey, I, I don't know. You know, not everybody coaches for 40 years and goes, you know, to the tournament every single year. That's why Coach K is special. Uh, and not saying that Tony Bennett's not special. I think he's at a very high level, too. It's just it's an off year and you're still getting a postseason tournament and it's not called the CBI. Like, sounds great. Right. You didn't pay to get in there. And, and you know, to go back to tech stuff, th- the magic of Frank Beamer was that in their down years, even looking back now, like in their down years, they had winning records and went to bowl games. And I know everybody goes to bowl games now, but like that is hard to do. Like look around. Most programs have a down year that stinks. That's really bad. And, and if, if this isn't, and you know, we'll see what happens next year. I think UVA will be much better next year, but you know, let's see. You never know what's going to happen. Hopefully not. But Um, yeah. But if this (laughs) is the down year, 
<laughs> if this is their down year, then it does start to feel a little bit like a reload. And um, I get that. I, I, I wouldn't be too down on them. But yeah, I think the players, the coaches, the fans, sure. NIT, you're, you're going to be a little bummed. So while we're talking about UVA and tech, and uh, we only got a couple minutes left here, I wanted to hit on something we haven't had a chance to talk to you about. We, we've beat it to death ever since they've happened, but the football hires. Uh, we talked to you, I think, the, the day uh, that Fuente was uh, told to get out, and uh, we hadn't talked to you since. So Virginia Tech's made a hire since then. Uh, the surprise of um, the Cavaliers getting somebody new in there. Uh, I just wanted to hear your reactions to those two hires and and kind of the the quick outlook and and maybe even a comparison of the outlook for these two programs. Yeah, the comparison's fair, right? Because that's what's going to happen. Yeah. It's what was happening with Fuente and Bronco. Um, sure. And you know, I I guess Bronco got the better of that, but then he walked away. So it's so weird at the end. Um, I'll tell you. So starting with Virginia Tech and Brent Pry, really like him. He gives me a Frank Beamer feel. He gives me a Mike Young feel. Um, so if they're on a formula, You're just for hiring, all the good notes right there, right? Well, now. right. Yeah. You I mean, to talk to a Hokie fan, don't you? <laughs> I mean, if, if you're, if you're going for a formula for hiring a tech, I think Whit Babcock's onto something, right? Like Brent Pry, when he had the snowball fight with the students on the drill field. And that's what I mean about genuine. That wasn't, Hey, somebody said, Hey, if we bring a camera out, this would look good. <laughs> that was somebody saying, Hey, the students do this. Him saying, dude, we should go out there and be in it because it sounded like fun being with the students, being with the fans sounds fun. That's huge. Um, the way he has emphasized in-state recruiting. And we talked about this. Like I, I think Fuente staff got a bad knock in terms of it was more perception than reality, but Brent pride gets it. The perception has to be that it's all about Virginia. It's all about in-state and he's given that vibe off. Um, I really like the staff he's hired. Um, they have the feel of those old Beamer staffs like, dude, you just want to go to PKs and, and have beers and wings with them, right? And every one of them seems like they would fit in comfortably there. Um, my one question is he's got inexperienced coordinators and he's a first-time head coach. Little bit of a concern, but I think he surrounded those guys with some guys who have been coordinators, some guys who have been head coaches. Like there's enough experience in that room and respect. And there seems to be, this is what's amazing because we spent like two and a half hours. They gave us 20 minutes with each assistant coach for sit downs. We've got to meet everybody, spend time with them. They really gave the vibe like they have chemistry, like they get along. I think they're going to find a way to be a great staff. And it might not be the way you're used to where it's the OC's show or it's the DC's show. Like I don't think Chris Marv is Bud Foster, but I don't think he has to be like, I think they got all the pieces in the room. And um, I think the kids are going to respond to these guys. I know the media did in our time with them. Uh, I really like that staff there. And, and then looking at Virginia, I think Tony Elliott's exciting. Like Tony Elliott's a guy who's deserved a shot for a while. Um, he's done a nice job of bringing in his people, but also bringing in some UVA people. Um, so there's that tie to the past. I think it's going to be exciting to see what they can do. And obviously he got a big lift with Brendan Armstrong coming back. So yeah, the future is going to be comparing Pry and Elliott. Um, and I think they're going to be fun comparisons. Yeah, I, I hope so uh, because I I'm tired of the games, honestly, where, obviously if we're bad, I don't like it, but where we're both not good or both fighting for a bowl game in that last game, let's be fighting for a, who goes to the ACC championship game. Let's, let's let that be the fight on Thanksgiving weekend. I'm not rooting for UVA in that sense, but I don't mind there being a real buzz around that game. Not just a buzz that only Virginians care about. I'd, I'd like a national buzz or at least an, a conference buzz on, on that game. 
Yeah, and that's what a new staff gives you the hope for, right? Yeah. There's that new energy, there's that new excitement, and you know, tech certainly needed it. UVA was in an okay place, but tech needed it, sure. and, and they're getting it. And I think it's showing up in recruiting. I think it's showing up in fan interest, and yeah, it's exciting. I'm I'm very excited to see what those guys do. That's what I've noticed with the fan interest is it's it's kind of weird. It seems like the hope there's there's a lot of positivity around tech, and it seems so positive, and we're coming from such a low, but it at UVA, they weren't at a low and they were doing okay. And, and there was moments this year you thought they could be better, but it, the surprise of him leaving and the upturn of the cart just kind of adds in a little bit of uncertainty and negative negativity that wouldn't be there. If Bronco was still sitting there. So I'm just, I'm surprised with the, the, the dynamic between the two fan bases with their positive and negative. I also wanted to ask real quickly, just piggybacking off that. I know there was some confusion when Elliot was hired. I mean, it was like he was on the plane, he left, oh, yeah. there wasn't yeah. going to be an offer, and <laughs> the then all of a sudden more. he comes back, and then there is an offer. Do you think he was the original first option, or do you yes. think that was a situation of they didn't get the guy they wanted, and so then they make the move to hire Tony Elliott and say, oh, this is who we wanted all along? And that? No, I, I really do think – well, I'll say this. I think Tony was on the, the short list originally. I think he was, if he wasn't at the top, he was real close. Mm -hmm. And I think as they went through the process, he became the number one guy, not because they were rejected. I think they met with some people and, and came away and said, I think that's our guy. And then they brought him in. And I think he had to do his due diligence because Duke was after him. And, mm -hmm. and here's the thing about Tony Elliott. Clemson really wanted to keep him. And guys, that's not a crappy job, oh, yeah. right? Clemson's paying him head coach money. You're winning. You're on a staff where, where you've got great respect for Dabo. He's got great respect for you. So there was a lot for him to think about. Now, I think he went home. I think that he brought his family, wanted to show them. And then I think he just did his due diligence and, and then came back and said, let's get the deal done. Look, the, the amount of money that is involved in this, you can fly a guy there and back <laughs> yeah, a couple of times. It's, it's a drop in the bucket compared to what you're about to spend and what's on the line. But I think they got the guy they wanted. And, and now we'll see what happens. Well, Mike, thanks for coming on with us. We look forward to following your coverage as you travel all around this weekend. Um, and uh, also, you know, from your whole paper's coverage, because we'll be more focused on the Virginia Tech stuff. But we, sure. we, we'll, we'll drop in on you a little bit. So, well, David Teal, all... David Teal will be with the yeah, Hokies, and he's always a good read. Yes. Uh, so, But thanks for all your coverage all the time. Thanks for coming on the podcast again. And, and hopefully we have a reason to bug you here in a week or two where uh, maybe Virginia Tech's still playing or something, something crazy like that. That'd be awesome. That sounds great. And before I get out of here, check out Snowpiercer on HBO. Yes. It's been, my, it's been my, my new watch. I'm very into it. So check that out. Thanks for throwing it in. Uh, we, were, we were cutting tight here, but thanks for uh, throwing that in. And we'll talk to you next time. Can't wait. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. Always appreciate having Barbara on and, uh, I, I really hope I hope there's a reason to uh, bug him in like two weeks to come back on the podcast because uh, that'd be amazing. But D block time and what's dominating my life is what will dominate our lives through the summer is baseball. And this is of the major league variety. The the lockout is over uh, middle of last week. It it broke down and we were back to baseball. So we are happy that that's happening. They're going to still get all the games in, all 162. They set up some double headers to make up for the only one week lost because, as everybody said, when baseball was announcing they're canceling weeks at a time, well, they can just change whatever they want. We saw it last year with the pandemic. They, you can schedule whatever you want as quick notice as you need to. 
and uh, they're doing just that. So we're going to have a full season. It's just going to start a week later. Um, we're going to have more playoff teams. We're going to have DHs everywhere. We're going to have well, – where do we wind up on the shifts? I, I, I haven't heard anything about the shifts. I have not heard anything about that, which makes me think that someone reported something that wasn't true. Yeah. So let's let's go through those real quick. Uh, the DHs we don't have any problem with, right? Nope. I think we've said that before. The shifts, I I just – I don't – it is what it is. If 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 they changed it, okay, let's play with those rules. But I'm not pushing for it. I I am one of those older school guys, and I know that's who you rail against every time we talk about baseball. Is just eventually the hitters are going to have to just poke it the other way and keep the defense honest. That's what you're just going to have to develop. That I know pitching's hard, but you're you know if if the pitchers are getting harder, you're going to have to get better as a hitter, and you're just going to have to find a way to hit the other way and hit hit behind the shift. Uh, speaking That's for speaking for our friend John, because I've talked to him about this too. Um, he said he does he thinks the pitching is at a level that it's just you can't hit it the other way. Like they're just throwing it too hard and locating it too well to be able to hit it the other way. Like it's not guys aren't throwing you know ninety ninety five. They're throwing like ninety eight ninety nine, and it's hard to go the other way on that when they throw it inside. That was his take on it. Um, so if they banned the shift, okay. If they don't, okay. Like it, that, yeah. I'm like you. Either it's not way, gonna. That's where I'm at. It's not gonna make me not watch baseball. So right. I agree. I. That's my point with what I started with. I just. I think my reasoning to be okay with it is is my idea is that eventually you're just gonna have to develop. They'll develop either change the, the rule or they won't. Like it, either. Yeah. Either they'll make so- they'll have to do something with pitching if, and I just think some people aren't understanding. Like some of these rules are designed to speed up the game. Yes, it's not necessarily to get the game shorter. It's to speed up the dead time. And I don't. Th- I think there's some people who don't understand the difference in those two things. Like they're just thinking like, oh, games are lasting three and a half hours. Like, oh my gosh, MLB. If you want to speed up the game, why are you trying to ban the shift? Because that gets outs and that moves the game along. Be like, yeah, but it's uh, dead time. It's the reason the pitch clock is being implemented is because there's a lot of dead time between pitches. Now, one of the things that they say would fix dead time that MLB is definitely not going to do is those extended commercial breaks in between innings. Get rid of a lot of downtime by getting rid of that. And fans aren't going to miss the commercial that they have to watch. But MLB needs money. Yeah, money. And so they're yeah. not going to say no to money. If this lockout was proof of anything, they're going to fight for every penny they can. I am. Yeah, I agree. Um, the other baseball news. I mean, we've had already had some movement of players. Um, I, I think the one that kind of jumps out at me is like, it looks like Freddie Freeman's going to be out of Atlanta. Um, they're signing out of Oakland today and, you know, getting his first baseman replacement. It just seems like that's the indication that, that they don't think they'll have him. Yeah, I saw the trade for Matt Olson, um, and it does kind of look that way. But as some, I think I saw a uh, baseball baseball reporter yeah, put this on. Yeah. yeah, put this on Twitter. There is a <laughs> DH, so they could very well still have him. Um, but it does look unlikely. Like I, I will say, if I was a Braves fan, I wouldn't feel good about it. Uh, I don't know where he goes. I am hoping against hope that he doesn't go to the Yankees. Um, I know the Yankees traded Gary Sanchez away to, uh, the other day to the Twins, and I saw the guy they got in the trade was shaving his 
facial hair is like officially a Yankee. And it was like, okay, cool. That is the dumbest thing in sports. But um, I don't know how anybody loves that team. I just, I can't imagine. It, I can't either. It'd I, be I mean, like I, be, I, being in love with getting sprayed in the face by a skunk. I just can't imagine. <laughs> but um, I think the other exciting part about baseball coming back, though, is going to be where some of these other big name free agents land. You still have a Carlos Correa out there. Uh, and you, you still have a Trevor Story, story out there. Going? Oh, he's going to be in Baltimore, of course, Carlos Correa. But um, in all reality, I don't know where he's going. I saw today that there's talks that he'll sign a one-year prove-it deal with the Astros. I really think players don't understand. When they sign these one-year prove-it deals, I'm just like, yeah, maybe. But if teams weren't offering willing to pay you over $300 million this year, they're not going to be willing to pay you over $300 million next year either. Like, You're a year older. Yeah, like, that's not going to change. You're going to have to hit 50 home runs if you want that. <laughs> Sorry, Carlos Gray, you're not hitting 50 home runs. So I just think, I don't know. We'll see. I, I, w- I want to say this about the Orioles, though, and not to do with Carlos Correa necessarily. But when I'm sitting there and I'm hearing things out of the GM saying, I'm not saying we won't, we'll net, uh, I'm not saying 0%, but I'm saying it's unlikely we'll sign anyone to multi year deals. That's a red flag to me. Your prospects, the number one farm system in baseball, the best of those prospects are getting ready to get called up this year. So if you're not signing some guys to plug in those holes, what are we doing? What is this for? I love Adley Rushman. I love Grayson Rodriguez. But if we're not going to sign some guys to fill in the holes that aren't Adley Rushman and Grayson Rodriguez, that we still need holes filled, I don't know why we're playing baseball. I'm not no, saying they have to go. I, I'm not Buster saying only agrees with you. They should be contracted or whatever. Right? I'm not saying they have to sign Carlos Correa, <laughs> but it'd be nice. It'd be it'd be nice if we opened up the pocketbook for somebody. Jordan Lyles and Robinson Chirinos, okay, but and there's talks that they're getting ready to sign Danny Duffy. Okay, like those are improvements to our rotation, Jordan Lyles and Danny Duffy. But if that's what I'm hanging my hat on at the end of this offseason, I'm going to be a little upset. Because it means next year you got to go totally crazy in offseason to fill the middle infield. Well, I'm just glad that you're going to have something to be upset about. I'm glad they're playing. We're not going to be talking about this lockout for We're not going to have to do another uh, simulated season. Yeah. Yeah, no simulated season because that <laughs> we, we know how that went. <laughs> so... <laughs> I'm just glad baseball's back. I'm ready for it to dominate my life. Yes. Oh, what is dominating my life, you ask? Okay. Sure. Since you yeah. didn't ask, because you saw what it was and you didn't want to ask. Um, yeah. F1, up, F1 starts even, this weekend. I can't name a name involved with what you're about to talk Woo! about. Woo! Lewis Hamilton? You don't know Lewis Hamilton? Come on. No. Who are you? Danica Patrick, she raced F1, right? No, she raced IndyCar. Um, difference. But... Um, <laughs> F1 is getting ready to start. If you need to catch up on what's happened the past few years in F1, you should watch F1 Drive to Survive on Netflix. It's a great show. Uh, Already breezed through the new season that came out on Friday. Done with those 10 episodes. Uh, And 
have now turned my focus to this season, which the first race and the first Grand Prix is this weekend. So it'll be exciting. Can't wait. Well, I'm happy you're happy. What do you know that I need to know? My Disney movie this weekend or this week, uh, oh. Raya and the Last Dragon. Watched it today um, after I got off work before we talked to Barber. Uh, but watched it, uh, and I'm going to go back and do some housekeeping on the previous watches since the list is not long. Encanto, uh, remember that I loved it. My favorite song, We Don't Talk About Bruno. Tangled, favorite song, At Last I See the Light. Ray and the Last Dragon, there is no song, but it's a really good score. Like The music in the background is well done. I've in, I enjoyed it. I thought it, Is that Michael Giggly? No, uh, the name is escaping me right now, but that's not who it is. Um, okay. I I thought it was a good story. It kept me interested. The minor goofy characters didn't detract from the story, in my opinion, which I think is some not always the case in Disney movies. Uh, I know we talked about it with Patrick. Uh, Olaf, to me, is a minor goofy character that detracts from the story and is a waste of space on the screen. Um, for some of the other ones, uh, Moana included that chicken is a minor character that detracts enough from it and becomes a big enough distraction that it bothers me. Oh, so minor, so um, very minor, but it detracts from the story and it bothers me. I did not feel the giant hedgehog detracted from the story and bothered me. I didn't feel the con baby in this detracted and took away from the story from me. The story was very focused. It was a very solid story. I love the story. This was another one. I ended up tearing up at the end. It's just, I'm, I've been that way with some of the, with Encanto and this one. Oh, and Coco was the other one that I couldn't remember that I had reviewed. Uh, I guess the Pollo Loco song, because that's the only one I can remember. So, um, remember me. How do you not remember me? They like, that they do it just okay. Styles. It like, it's, okay. it's the song that keeps showing back up in that movie. And it didn't stick with me. I'd say that was, that's my least favorite of the four. <laughs> you did not remember me, obviously. Obviously not. It's my least favorite of the four right now. If I'm ranking them, which I will do for you right now, I would say Encanto's number one, Tangled's two, Rhea and the Last Dragon is three, Coco is a distant four. Speaking of listing songs, I had a trivia question this weekend, and it said, according to um, to your boy, Billy Joel. Billy Joel, when did the fire start burning? Since the world's been turning. Great job. Great job. We got there. We didn't do it as quick as you because obviously, but we got it within the little time time thing. So, Well, I'm glad you um, got it right. Yeah. Yeah, we got there. Um, all right. So what I know that you need to know is all this NFL. The NFL woke up uh, during the selection show. Um, yeah, there was a little bit of moves last week, but everything kind of prepping for the, I guess, Monday at noon was when a lot of stuff could start legally happening. Um, but Tom Brady who I don't even want to talk about this because I don't deserve, think he deserves the time. Like he's the greatest player quarterback of all time. Fine. But like, why, why just Peyton Manning didn't retire as early as Tom Brady. Why didn't you just wait a minute and figure out if you really wanted to, I guess whoever in the camp that told ESPN that he was retiring forced the issue. But then even then he like put it off a day. It was like, ah, oh, you know, no decision. well, then he retires. Now he's back two months later. I just, 
I'm, I don't love this. I, I was looking forward to an NFL without Tom Brady and the fear of having to watch him in another football, uh, in another Super Bowl. But yet we're going to get him here and we have to apparently talk about it while, you know, the, the sacredness of the bracket coming out uh, is going on. He's, he's interrupting that. He needs to have, just get out of the way, man. I just, I, it feels like he just wants to be the center of attention and that annoys me. And it annoys me about Aaron Rodgers too. It just, I just don't want this much neediness for my eyes. I have three kids that do that to me. I don't need this from 40 year old quarterbacks. So let's just get out of the way. If you're going to play, then play. If you're not, not just shut up. And if you're going to move teams, I don't care. Just either play or not shut up. I'd rather you not. And let's, let's move on. I just, I, yeah, I with those two quarterbacks in particular, I think you're dead on the money. I think they're both all about me, but all about attention, all about There's me. Like all these documentary series on Tom Brady now, like it's like multiple different entities have a Tom Brady, you know, documentary or explaining his diet or just one that's a constant camera on him from above, a, dr- a drone falling. Him. I don't like just we don't need all this. Uh, some. Of these tweets in jest, obviously, but I, I know I saw one that was said uh, he spent two months with his kids and decided did that wasn't for him. He'd rather be pile drived into the earth by uh, by a defensive lineman, and and obviously that's in jest. I don't think he hates his kids, but I'm not here for Tom Brady coming back. I, to me, this is annoying. It's like you said, if you wanted to do this, like don't announce your retirement. Wait a few weeks. Yeah. You don't have to announce before the Super Bowl that you're retiring. Wait it out. You didn't even wait yeah, out the Super Bowl. Then he's the talk of Super Bowl week or whatever. Which, again, <sighs> makes it all about him. The other guy I don't have any more time for, Aaron Rodgers. I don't want to hear any more about what the Green Bay Packers aren't doing for you. You, sign, you signed a deal that is going yeah. to cripple them. I know it says in the – or whoever it was that reported it said it was a cap-friendly deal. I was like, okay. Someone's going to have to explain to me how four years, $250 million is going to be a cap-friendly anything, but sure. I I don't want to hear any more about, well, the Green Bay Packers aren't getting me help, or the Green Bay Packers aren't doing this. I'm like, dude, I don't care. You re-signed with the Green Bay Packers. You had your out, and you chose to re-sign with them. I don't give a rip what Aaron Rodgers wants anymore. And it's not win or shut up. It's win and shut up. I just shut up and either win or don't. That's that's it. Just I'm tired of hearing him talk. At one point, I I thought it might be the nice change of pace for him to be the host of Jeopardy. I don't want that anymore. I want him to go away. If he wants to win a Super Bowl before he goes away, do what you got to do, but just shut up while you're doing it. I I just I'm I'm not I'm not here for it. Other other things that have happened in the last week, the Commanders got a new quarterback. The Steelers now have a new quarterback on their roster. Yeah. Which one do you want to talk about first? Both fan bases cannot be fired up about either one of those. Um, But let's talk about my Steelers first. Okay, let's talk about your Steelers first. All that they signed them. I saw, you know what? I'm just like, okay. I'm not like, yay at all. No, (laughs) no positive. But I don't know who I would have said they, they got right now that would have made positive. In a couple weeks ago on this podcast, I brought up the names of Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. And both at certain points in that time did seem like they could come to another place. Russell Wilson did Aaron Rodgers. There was a good 24 hour cycle, maybe 48 hour cycle where he's not going to be a green Bay. He's going to go somewhere. So like that, I was aiming high, but even then everything else that's moved around, everything that's stayed, stayed still. I just like, okay. Like this shows me what confidence they have 
in um, Rudolph, none, because if you get bring Trebinsky in, obviously he's terrible. Hey, that matches the amount of confidence I had in him as well. It's just, it's the move that they made from where they're at. And I'm, I'm okay. I, I, it's not like I'm saying, Hey, get Ben back in here either. So it's just where we're at. This is what happens when your quarterbacks stays too long. This is the position you put your team into. Now it would have been nice if this, you know, franchise that does such, so such good things in the front office could have pulled off one of those first two names I mentioned. They didn't. So this is where you are today. This is what we got going forward. This isn't a draft pick. We didn't trade a first-round draft pick for this or something like that, so we still have options there. This obviously means also we're not going to be picking in the 30s next year either, so we're going to have availability next year as well for some kind of first-round pick, hopefully for a competitive quarterback if we don't get one this year. So I'm just I'm just okay with it. I, I'm, I'm not terribly mad, and I think it would be easy to be. I think you can. you're about to present some ideas of why I would be, uh, and I understand why other teams in the division would be happy about this, but I'm okay. I'm just, I'm just neutral. Yeah. Um, I, I thought it was hilarious when I saw that news. I laughed. I was like, this is awesome. This is the best thing that's happened today. Uh, and um, the, he's bad. He's bad. There's no other way around it. He's just not very good. And for him to be a stealer is a huge relief. Still the best quarterback on our roster. Is a huge relief. Uh, I saw their Super Bowl odds dropped, and you know, in the group text, none of which are Steeler fans that I was involved in, they were saying, you know, I do think he's better than Mason Rudolph, and I was like, I don't think the Super Bowl odds dropped because he he's not Mason Rudolph. I think the Super Bowl odds dropped because the reason they were that high was the unknown was better yeah. than what they had, and then once the unknown is Mitch Trubisky, it's like, oh no, it's bad. Like, I, honestly, I think if they had gone into the season with Mason Rudolph, this probably would be about where the Super Bowl odds are anyway. Like, I think 6-1, half a dozen the other. Maybe Mitch Trubisky's a little bit better. Um, I, Steelers aren't going to the playoffs with Mitch Trubisky as their quarterback, so I'm not worried. Um, unless Lamar Jackson gets hurt, in which case, who knows what happens. But um, the, the only thing I have here is that I'm a big uh, – something that comes out of my mouth often is – you know, I'd like to argue against you, but there's no evidence to prove it. And this is a very much one of those things. I have no evidence to throw at you that this is going to be a good thing for the Steelers. But I also had no evidence that the Hokies could win an ACC championship. So I'm riding hope. That's all I got. It's, it's blind, stupid hope that, that this will somehow work out. It won't because at least the Hokies at one point we thought could be good. I don't think this can be good. I'm just hopeful that I'm wrong, that it, 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 it's better than I think it could be. That's all I have is just blind hope, acknowledging that there is no evidence to point me in that direction, and I will jump off <laughs> that <laughs> hope train uh, any chance I get and then start hoping for the next draft pick uh, when, you know, hopefully we can get a type of draft pick that gets us a Ben Roethlisberger-quality quarterback uh, in, in the next couple of years. Um. Maybe. I mean, I know the rumors, some of the rumors that I was hearing were just like terrifying me. Like you said, Aaron Rodgers, I would have been worried. I don't think Russell Wilson is going to do well in Denver, but I don't think that's all of Russell Wilson's fault. I think some of that's going to be the competition he faces. Um, and then I think some of that is just he's in the down, left too, down part he's of like, his career. 
Um, he's on the down part, but he's still got a chunk of years. I don't think like, he's better than Patrick Mahomes. I don't think he's better than Justin Herbert. No. And if the Raiders end up being getting healthy and can stack together some holes that popped up throughout the year through legal stuff, I think they could also be better than the Broncos. Like I, Honestly, we'll see what happens. Despite all that, so I think I right think that is something to watch out for. Um. And Deshaun Watson was another one that was rumored, which I know you don't want for off-the-field reasons, yeah. which off is fine. But if they had him, I would have been worried about the on-the-field. I would have been worried. Because Deshaun Watson, as much as I don't want him to be a Raven either, uh, is a good quarterback. It's his off-the-field stuff that is a problem. Um, so for them to get Mitch Trubisky, I'm like, great. No on-the-field worries for me as a Ravens fan with Mitch Trubisky being my opponent. Um, that being said, moving to Washington. Yes. They trade for Carson Wentz. They didn't give up a lot for Carson Wentz, and that's good. No. Um, that's the good news, I guess. The bad news is I don't think Carson Wentz improves you necessarily at all. I, I think best-case scenario, you're, you're fighting for a playoff spot. Maybe. That's if Carson Wentz stays healthy the whole year and is good Carson Wentz. You're asking for two ifs there. I think Carson Wentz probably gets hurt and doesn't play half the games, and I don't think he's that great. I think Heineke's probably going to end up playing half your games anyway, and if that's the case, I would have just rather not lost any capital trading for Carson Wentz and just rode Taylor Heineke. I did see a report today where it was a DC report was saying, you know, this Trubisky signing with the Steelers is further proof of why the commanders went out and got uh, Carson Wentz is because they were worried they would be turned down by free agents like Mitch Trubisky and Jameis Winston, which when I saw that, I was like, I guess Carson Wentz is better than those two. So, okay. If that's what you thought your options were, were Carson Wentz, Mitch Trubisky or Jameis Winston. Sure. Go with Carson Wentz, I guess. Um, I don't know why anyone like the fact that there were teams like we need a Mitch Trubisky. I was like, I have, I been taking crazy pills when I've been watching him play this during his career. He's been bad. And that's not all the bears. Like, he's been bad because he's not good. So. Can't play in the rain. Well, that's going to be a problem in Pittsburgh. It's not great weather all the time. And that field is choppy when it's bad weather. So, um, we'll see what happens with Carson Wentz. Again, I just, I don't think he's going to. I hope he does. I hope he's healthy the whole year. I just don't think he will be. He's just, it's been a problem for him. He's held together with duct tape. I listened to some commander fans try to say how like this is the best quarterback they've had on the roster for a certain amount of time. And that's not a high bar. I, I, but that's not a high bar, but like, I almost, I don't, I don't think that's accurate. I don't think from what it was this season, like I, I, and the fact that they're giving up on him, like, I mean, how much better than Heineke is he really? Also, (laughs) also to those fans, I would say, would you take RG three, his rookie year, or would you take Carson Wentz? I take RG three, his rookie year. Um, a hundred percent. I, I think the date that they're batting going back for is not before that. I think it, it's since then. I think that the time frame was since RG3. When RG3 had that great year, like, that was the plan. That was good. And I honestly, I was buying into it as a, as a, as a non-football um, team fan. I was, or whatever they call it, commanders now. Uh, I, was, I was like, okay, this could work. This is different. I mean, you know, he got injured, but... I thought it could work, but uh, yeah, since that time, yeah, it's probably in the area of best quarterback. I, 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 I understand what's being, oh, Alex Smith was better. Alex Smith was better than this. Alex Smith was better than this. I'd say Ryan Fitzpatrick was 
similar See, to like, this. Similar, similar. I, I like Heineke in the way he battles. I think there's some value. Yeah, I don't think Heineke has a ton of talent. I just think he's kind of a gamer. No. I just think he's a guy who will grit out some games that you probably shouldn't win. He's going to have some plays where you're banging your head against a wall, but... Wentz is not going to do that. No. He's not gritting out anything. He's going to sit over on the sidelines. When it, when it comes to grittiness, he'll be sitting over there. Yeah, and he'll just have some throws that you're like, man, that was a bad throw. Like, he's going to have some games where he is terrible. And I think the best you can hope for is a Tyler Heineke good. So, um, yeah, I just I don't I don't really love that for them. But what? Uh, oh no, that's it for you, isn't it? You're that's done. It. That's all I got. That's all you got. Okay. I think it's crazy. ESPN got Joe Buck and Aikman. I I know that's not a huge topic to talk about. I, I get interested in the media stuff, but. The fact that ESPN put out the money for those guys, the fact that they got them, I just, it's crazy. Yeah. Um... And then up against the Manning cast on their own, you know, like they're really going to, they're, they're throwing their top money, top level at that Monday Night Football, which Monday Night Football is a historic spot that deserves your top effort. But up to this point, I don't think they've been, you know, they, they, they've tried to get everybody. They tried to get Peyton Manning to be in the booth. They've tried to get all sorts of different people to come on money. Never could get them. Never could spend the right amount of money to get them. Uh, basically just got people raises at other places. And, um, and usually like second level guys that stayed or something, not that, you know, they weren't getting Al Michaels and Joe Buck and, you know, but all of a sudden it was just, they, they're right in the middle. I think, you know, Amazon being in the mix for that Thursday night package kind of helped help, fluctuate everything and got people into the idea of moving and it, it really worked out for ESPN. They took advantage. And uh, so I, I don't know, man, I, I think it's good for you. I know people brag on Joe Buck. He's good at his job. Me and you know that, like, I mean, as, as guys that do announce, we know he's good at his job. And as long as he doesn't get too worked up about Randy Moss being on the same network as him, we'll be all right. But I just, <laughs> I don't, I, I just can't believe they did it. I I'm really surprised. And, with all the cuts ESPN has made over the years and all the, the PR look that that's negative, this is kind of in the face of that. But come fall when ratings numbers are up and they're relating it to Joe Buck there, they're not going to care about that because that's all that's that's what people will be talking about. It's the next time ESPN makes cuts, this will be remembered. So. Right. I, I do think that's a fair point. Um, I think Amazon getting into the game has made ESPN want to improve their product. Uh, because part of the deal Joe Buck and Aikman on Thursday night, they're going to get better games than Monday Night Football will. I don't know about that. I don't know. I don't know about that. I think Thursday Night Football is only going to be so good. I think Thursday Night Football is only going to be so good because teams don't want that game, Leland. Teams don't want that game. Monday Night Football is a different story. Um, But I will say, I think... ESPN has to do that because once that TV deal comes up, their Monday Night Football crews of recently have not been that great. Just have not. And and I'm not trying to knock Steve Levy. I think Steve Levy's good. I just think Steve Levy's better at other sports than he is football. And Jason Witten was not a good fit in that book or in that that booth. And so I, I think that was a problem for them. And so to get Troy Aikman, who I think they were probably able to get cheaper than they would have if Troy Aikman didn't have some of the other... Uh, issues that he does with Skip Bayless being at Fox. Um, I think 
maybe that would have cost them more. But they were able to get Troy Aikman, and then they get Joe Buck with that. I think that makes that crew the best it's been on Monday night in a very long time. So, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think that's a solid get. I'm interested to see who Fox goes to to fill in that role. I think that's going to be interesting. I think Fox has the talent in-house to fill that and be okay. They do. It's going to be uh, Kevin Barkhart or whatever, won't it? Maybe. I, I mean, I guess he's not in-house, actually. Uh, but Kevin Harlan, I think, would be great at it. And Yeah, I mean, he's good. He's I, good. I think Gus Johnson would be good at it. I, I Point is... What if they brought... That would be the out-of-the-box answer, is Gus Johnson coming into the NFL. That would be excitement that you don't get normally from an NFL broadcast. And you know what? That's the biggest knock, right? People who don't like Gus Johnson, oh, he gets so excited. What a what a crime to be passionate about the game that you're calling. Like, I think that's I don't think that's a knock. I think that's awesome. I think that's great that he gets passionate about that stuff. I enjoy watching college football games that he's calling because he's passionate and makes that game exciting, even sometimes when it's not an exciting game. Um, so I think that would be a good call for them. My guess on color commentary would be another Dallas Cowboy. I Daryl Johnson seems to be the guy they go to a lot in that number two role. I would think that's a guy who could get the, the color commentary role. They got Greg Olson in the number two spot right now. And that's, that's what I've heard mentioned a lot. I maybe, I just wonder if they do try to just mix it up a little bit. And like that Gus Johnson, I, I, I just came up with that right now as we're talking. I mean, man, that's, that's actually a, a decent idea that in house, um, you know, you're taking away from college football and, you've set him up for your, your best games on Fox. I mean, he's been doing those nooners that, that are their best games, but I mean, there's a heck of a lot more people watching Sunday at four than there is Saturday at, at noon or Sunday at one, whenever the Nash America's game. Well, yeah, every other week, Sunday at four. I mean, I mean, that's, that's your, that's what you hire the guy for is, is the, you know, yeah. The national window at four o'clock every other weekend. So, and, and your Super Bowls. But I think that that makes it exciting. And Fox is now going to have to be the one that figures out what they're going to do. And NBC is going to have to figure out what they're going to do. I guess they're going Mike Tirico um, to fill in for Al Michaels leaving. But um, it, I'm interested to see what happens there because the idea of Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet doing Amazon and the idea of Joe Buck and Troy Aikman doing ESPN – Jim Nance and Tony Romer at CBS. The question then does become, who does Fox go to? Or does Fox become that new weakest link? I mean, <laughs> yeah. And see, like, and I know Jim Nance is good at his job. I I didn't like Jim Nance and, um, and uh, Sims before. Like, I didn't think that was. I don't favorite. like Sims. I don't have a problem no, with Jim Nance. My problem's now. with Sims. But Tony Romo caught the attention, and a lot of people really enjoy him. Um, I, I enjoy really. aspects of what he does. Um, sometimes he just, as sometimes he needs a back off just a touch. From my from sitting in a similar seat at different times, there's just moments where, and I think Nance handles him well. I think they work well together. I think because Jim Nance is so polite. Um, but that's not my favorite, my favorite crew by any means. But no one's going to put them on the lowest spot right now. I mean, Fox, that's why I think Fox might try to mix it up a little bit. Instead of just doing the easy answer of who's our number two team, oh, Burkhart and Olsen, let's move them up to number one, let's go. I I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm interested to see what Fox does there. Uh, I think I think a guy like Gus Johnson would be a good fit. But 
It's not up to me, and Fox will make that call. So, yeah, in the two spot, I don't, yeah, or in the in the color spot. Um, yeah, we'll see. I, I like Herbie being on Thursday because I, I think that is a mixing it up a little bit. I think that's bringing a, a college first guy, a guy that's going to stay in the college game. Mm-hmm. I think it's smart for the NFL to okay that move because that's kind of you know bringing them in. And I like Herbie calling the NFL games. I'll, I I on Sunday Saturday nights when I have multiple TVs set up generally the one with volume on is the one with Fowler and, and Herbie. So, cause I, I think he does great. He, and that's why he's on the national championship games. So I, I like him going to the NFL as long as he's staying on college. When I first heard that news, I was like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. <laughs> I don't care how much they're paying you. You can't go away, but he knows what he is. And he's not going to fully get away from that. But I, at one point I thought they might try to get him to, roll into Monday nights and, and just work on the weekends. That's hard to do though. I mean, that's, that's hard to roll from one to the other. I don't know, but we're doing it Thursday to Saturday. I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It's going to be tough for him to do. And I do wonder how long he does this before he realizes he's got to choose one. And then when that happens, which one he chooses, I, if he likes the NFL, he might choose it. Um, and ESPN is going to have a decision to make there. But that college game day show is getting ready to get to a point where there's going to be some changes there anyway. There's going to be some mix. So you're going to have Lee Corso. You're going to have a different and dynamic. He just can't do it forever. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I am interested in the broadcast aspect of it and how that's all going to shake out. I think that's going to be fascinating to see what happens as that continues. But that will do it for us here on this episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. And, again, um, you can comment, tell us on Twitter, Facebook, email, or on Twitter and Facebook at Yak Sports Pod. You can email us yaksportspod at gmail.com. Tell us why Taylor Heineke is not as good as Carson Wentz, and Carson Wentz is a vast improvement. Um, tell us why Mitch Trubisky is going to be the right answer because Leland needs to hear good things, and he's not going to get it from me. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> be sure hey, to tell us. Yes, join the bracket. Join the bracket. It's Yak Sports Pod um, is the uh, name of it. So if you try to search it, you should be able to find it. Uh, let me go here and tell you our number in case you need that uh, for the bracket. But join our bracket. Get on there. Whoever finished this is the highest that's not named Leland or Joe Deck. Um, you get to come on the podcast. You get invited to the, be on the podcast and, and tell us how awesome you are at picking basketball games. But our ID number is 983. Yak Sports Podcast is the name of the bracket. Uh, no password. It's wide open. Uh, you and your whole family can get on there. It's free, no money, and it's just all about pride and and how good a picker you are. There will be tweets and Facebook messages out there to on how to join on, on the link to join. So make sure you find us there and get it done before Thursday at noon. Yeah, make sure you are getting it done Thursday before noon. I know I'm going to be probably panic building a bracket there Thursday at noon, um, be, just because of what I've chosen to do um but yeah i know i've sent it out to some people i'm glad we got some other people in here uh, it looks like so we're hoping that number the number of people on here just grows um and you can go against joe's investment plan so should be interesting until then folks um feel free to comment like i said on anything that was said on the podcast or things we missed that you would like talked about oh my gosh john uh not john jeff uh we forgot his 
thing that normally we would definitely never forget. Oh, my goodness. But yeah, because of huge. all the happenings that happened here this weekend, JMU football does get UVA football in 2023 in a game that I think JMU's got a great chance to win. Um, we'll see what happens when they go to Charlottesville. But um, I, I think it's good for JMU. I know they get, uh, what, $500,000 to go play them. Yeah. So, yeah. good. That's good. It's I like it. I, I think – these, especially the FBS schools, should all play each other like they kind of are. And uh, Tech's on the schedule in uh, 25. So I like it. I, I It's not a bad thing you, it, for one game, you know, um, kind of having that in-state uh, rivalries going on and, and switching it around, and, that, and that's fine. Now, you know, you don't want all your games against Virginia schools. You want to, you know, jump down in the south and, and get your recruiting road set up. But, no, I like it. I think it's good. Of course, we'll be rooting for JMU in that in that football game, but it's a good thing, and it's a good close FBS on FBS game, and and it'll be fun, and I'm sure we'll talk about it weeks leading into it, and that'll be a fun time. Yep. But until then, folks, uh, like I said, if we missed anything, be sure to tell us about it, and then uh, tell us tell us what we got wrong, tell us what we got right. What do you think about some of these topics that we've talked about with Virginia Tech making the tournament and uh, Virginia Tech uh, men's and women's? UVA in the men's NIT, VCU in the men's and women's NIT, uh, how these Virginia schools are going to do in the tournament. Uh, talk about Buffalo Gap's run if you want, if you're a Buffalo Gap fan. We, we love to hear from the audience. Until then, folks, again, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Google, or Spotify so you never miss another episode. And we hope you enjoyed this week's Yak Sports Podcast, and we'll talk to you next week.